Tiger Nation, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Thursday, November 12th, and Clemson is still the number one team in the country at 9-0 for the first time since 1981. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is our Week 11 uh, preview as the Clemson Tigers take on the Syracuse Orange in the loudest, hottest dome in Onondaga County. Um, this is Ben. I am your host here today. Tully is out on... Uh, on uh, paternal leave, uh, so I'm kind of running the show today. We're giving Cody a break from his uh, fill-in hosting duty so he can be a little more, uh, um, add a little bit more insight to the podcast. Cody, how's it going? It's good, man. It's good to be back. I was watching the FSU game with my good friend from South Carolina, but I'm back. He was watching the Tennessee game, and that was kind of miserable. Yeah, we've been wondering where you've been. You know, Tully, a new father, and three days later, he's he's a couple days later, he's actually at the bar watching the game, and he's able to make the podcast. And you're you're frolicking around with Gamecocks. That's right. I mean, Tully. First of all, I question his ability to be a father. He was holding the baby in one hand and then a cigarette in the other uh, at the bar. <laughs> that so. is that's not true. <laughs> well, speaking of the bar, Cody, uh, what are we drinking tonight? Well, you're you're the guy that's supplying it. I'm just the guy that's mooching. So. We have Lagunitas, born yesterday, pale ale. Um, Lagunitas, you know, traditional IPA beer. This is really good. I don't like. I, you might have to tell me more about like the, the complexity to it, but I think it's 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 pretty solid. It doesn't have quite the same IPA kick, but I'm I'm liking it. Yeah, and uh, this is something that uh, Tully brought last time when we did the Florida State review. Um, and yeah, I know I thought it was a great beer. It's not an IPA. It is, a, I guess, a pale ale. Uh, but I don't know, it's probably as close to an IPA as you get with, uh, with a regular pale ale. I thought it had some interesting flavors and, and, uh, kind of a bite to it. Um, and then I'm drinking, uh, brewed in Belgium, a Rodenbach. Um, and this is a really good beer. Um, it's, it's like a red, kind of a brown, red, brown ale. Um, again, from Belgian, uh, uh, Belgium and, it's uh, it's kind of got a sour taste to it, but it's really got some complex fav- uh, flavors. It's aged in oak vats, and this is the first time I've ever had it. I'm a big fan of Belgian beers, and uh, it's really good. All right, well, now that we got the beers out of the way, um, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, Clemson, uh, still your number one team in the country for the second week. We survived our first game being ranked number one, and the college football playoff rankings have come out this week. Um, aside from Clemson sitting at the top, the other three teams in the top four, number two, Alabama, who made a big jump after beating uh, f- uh, formerly number two, LSU, uh, Ohio State slipping back to number three, and Notre Dame at number four. Uh, Cody, what do you think of these rankings? I think they're putting a lot of weight on who you play. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I think it's very strategic on the part of the playoff committee, knowing that Baylor is going to have a chance to prove themselves. TCU at one time was going to have a chance. They're gone now, but Oklahoma State, they're still in it. Um, they're going to, if they would have put these guys, position them at the front, like a Baylor at number three, there would there have been no way at the end of the year had they won out that they couldn't have put them in the, in the top, or if they maybe they come out with one loss, they were most likely going to end up in the top four. So this gives them a little bit of leverage to, to say, hey, we're, here's a starting point. Baylor, you're going to have a chance with your backloaded schedule to, to work your way up. In Alabama, you're probably going to, well, actually, they're actually, Alabama's in really good standing, to be, to right. be quite honest. But, you know, you might see another Alabama loss, and they could, they could fall back. So I think, ultimately, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, I know it's, it's a tough job. Yeah, the thing with Baylor, you know, they are uh, down to their backup quarterback. However, he looked really good in their game um, last week. Um, yeah, Alabama, I really don't see them with another loss on their schedule. They played Mississippi State this week, which, I mean, Mississippi State's ranked and it's a possibility, but I, I don't see that happening. Florida, they're going to have a, a decently tough test in the SEC championship game, assuming Bama wins out. But yeah, I don't see them leaving the top four. Um, Ohio State, it's interesting to see them start to slip back. They, they're starting to remind me a lot of Florida State last year, who uh, returning champions, um, but they started to slip. As they went undefeated, but they started to slip as the season went along just because their wins weren't all that impressive, and there were some other teams doing more impressive things. And Ohio State, again, they, they remind me a bit of that, and it seems to be playing out again this year. I, I agree. They do look like that Florida State team, but, man, they, I've, I've seen them on film, and they, they can be the best team in the nation. They, I, still, I still say they have the highest ceiling. 
Um, Joey Bosa, their defensive end, is just an animal. And, I mean, among other players all over the roster, they got speed at the linebacker position. Secondary is great. Um, their wide receivers are probably better. I hate to say it. They're probably better than Clemson's wide receivers. But I, I see how that's an appropriate comparison to FSU from last year. However, their um, their quarterback, JT Barrett, is going to be back, and they're probably going to make a make a push to the end. That's the team that worries me the most, even more so than Alabama. I'll say this. Florida could could potentially make some noise in the SEC. Florida State could beat them. I, I think Florida State, I, you know, wasn't on the, the recap episode. That's a good team. That's a, a, a team that's young, that's getting better. Watch out. They might really make a mess of things. Florida yeah. State, that is, when they play Florida. Yeah, and they played us tough on the road in a very hostile environment. Um, so listen, this, this is a rebuilding year for Florida state, expect them to be back. We don't have this thing in the ACC Atlantic for the you know next few years. Like Florida state is always going to be there. Another interesting thing for me is to see Notre Dame at number four ahead of a team like Baylor. Um, I wouldn't have put Baylor, especially after seeing their backup quarterback play pretty well, I guess, against uh, K state last week. Um, and I think that answers the questions. They've been the most impressive team in my book in the, in the big, uh, in the Big Twelve, I know Oklahoma State is undefeated, but their schedule hasn't been, I don't think, in, you know, extremely difficult. Maybe neither has Baylor's, but like when I compare Baylor to TCU before TCU lost, at least Baylor there was some separation between the teams they beat. Their defense was looking better, and their offense was dynamic. So I would really have Baylor, I think, in that spot where Notre Dame is right now. Um, maybe Notre Dame back at number five. Uh, maybe even Oklahoma State at, at five, and Notre Dame at six. Uh, the one thing that really surprises me is to see Iowa at number five. I, I realize they're undefeated, but come on, who have they played? Yeah, I, I agree. I think they're getting uh, largely the benefit, benefit of the doubt. I think they're going a little bit off the eye test because I will say I, Iowa's look good. Notre Dame has looked good. I, I don't think Notre Dame deserves to be there either, but I think that's what they're going off of. I think they're also doing the same for Ohio State, who you could compare their resume to a a Baylor, you can, you know, a TCU before they lost, but yet they kept getting the benefit of the doubt. And I think that's kind of, that goes back to the eye test, like this, <laughs> the very, the most subjective measure that, but they, they use it, they have to use it to kind of reinforce their decisions. And, you know, ultimately they're doing the same with Clemson and there we are at number one. So yeah, I, I agree though. I'm, I'm with you on Baylor. I, I think they should definitely be in that top four. Yeah. I mean, I think until they lose, I think their body of work this year and the fact that their quarterback, uh, backup quarterback, did look uh, really good, I think that warrants them being in the top four. Um, let's kind of take a look now at kind of the landscape of college football um, from the co- conference perspective and how it plays into these rankings. You know, there's a lot of talk still about how the ACC is the weakest conference, despite us, you know, having the number one team in the country and then a Florida State team that has won a national championship uh, two years ago and was in the college football playoff last year. Uh, North Carolina finally makes an appearance uh, in, here in the second week of the rankings. Um, it took a beatdown of Duke for now a one-loss North Carolina team to make it in there, but they're there. That puts uh, three ACC teams uh, in the college football playoff rankings. There's only four SEC teams, uh, surprisingly enough, and you know Mississippi State, you could question how they're in there because their schedule has been extremely weak. Uh, the Big 12 with four teams, the Pac-12 with three, uh, Independence with one, that being Notre Dame. So we can call them a quasi-ACC school and bump us up to four. Uh, the Big 10 with six, that surprises me. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, the American Conference actually has four teams in there. So we talk about the Power 5 conferences, but then you have the American Conference coming in there. They've got four teams in the top 25. I couldn't name four teams in the American Conference. Right much less the, the ones on the list. I, I'm really not surprised, though. I, I, you're seeing the ACC, yeah, I mean, you can go off of Florida State's merit over the last few years. You can go off of Clemson's work, you know, to some degree. But the, the conference ultimately is just not that good. It is top-heavy, and it always, go back, it always goes back to, you know, this, you know, a, a fellow Kansas grad that I have an argument with over, you know, top-heavy versus, you know, a, a consistent, consistently good teams throughout. Like, what, what makes a better conference? And ultimately, I'll say that you know the ACC is top heavy. You have Clemson, you have Florida State, maybe North Carolina, and there's really a huge drop off. And the, our bottom feeder teams are you know some of the worst in NC uh, or in Division One. Yeah, and I, I totally understand that, and I get it. And I will admit, yes, the ACC is not a super strong conference, and they're not in any by any stretch of the imagination the best conference. 
but let's take a look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has three teams in there. Would you say the top three ACC teams are better than the top three Pac-12 teams right now? I would absolutely say so. Um, let's take a look at another conference, the Big Ten. How does the Big Ten have six teams in the top 25? You know, Iowa undefeated, okay, I understand that they're, they're undefeated. You have to put them in there, but their schedule has been horrible. And then, so it got me thinking. I t- started taking a look at the, the schedules of the teams in the Big Ten, the six teams in the Big Ten that are in the top 25, and looked at the records of the teams that they have beat. And I'll run this down real quick. Ohio State, again, this is the teams they have beat. This does not include their losses, but the teams that they have wins over. Ohio State, those opposing teams are 38-45 and 45 on the year. Iowa, 43-39. and 39. Michigan State, 39-34. and 34. Michigan, 28-35. and 35. Northwestern, 37-29, and 29, so that one's actually pretty good. Wisconsin, 23-50. and 50. So they're not playing good teams. You look at the total winning percentage for the, uh, for the opponents in wins for the Big Ten top, uh, six top 25 teams, they're, they're only at, at a 473 winning percentage. Like, that's not good. And to me, in my mind, that's, that's overrated. I agree. I mean, did you, have, how have you benchmarked this, though? Like, how, how can we, can you get, like, another sample to better understand that? Yeah, so let's, let's take a look. So we have, you know, we have three teams in the ACC. I won't, we won't include Notre Dame right now. Uh, so you take the top three uh, from the Big Ten, and you compare it to the top three of the ACC. Clemson, 49-33. It's a 598 winning percentage. Florida State, uh, their wins over opponents, only 27-36. and 36. That's not good. North Carolina, 37-35. and 35. But total, that's a 521 winning percentage. Uh, again, and that's, you know, versus the 504 of the top three from the Big Ten. So that argument alone, I know there's a lot of other metrics and factors and stuff like that. Notre Dame actually comes in at that 521 winning percentage too. But when you start to break down the numbers, I think there's a lot of uh, perception is built on a lot of the prestige of these Big Ten universities like Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State uh, and how good Wisconsin has been in the past. But really, when you break it down, I don't think they're that much better. I actually think they're weaker. There's no reason for the Big Ten to have six teams in the top 25. just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you're right. It's, a, it's about the prestige. But, I mean, you, when you look at the ACC, I think we have three teams that are deservingly in that Top 25, and you can almost make the claim that Notre Dame is an ACC team, at least a kind of a pseudo ACC team. And, and they certainly are, at least their schedule is composed of a lot of ACC teams, and they're getting a lot of the a lot of credit for their work. Granted, their work has been like USC and a couple other out-of-conference teams. But, but I mean, who would you make the argument with that Delta? Who who is, is it Duke that, that's getting snubbed here? Is it, it's definitely not Georgia Tech. I mean, who, maybe Pittsburgh that, that's getting snubbed. I mean, and these guys are probably like Duke and the Pittsburghs of the world. Just because they're not in that top 25, they're probably just right outside of it. So it's not as if, you know what I mean? It's not as if they're missing out on that. No, and, and I completely understand that. And I don't have the answers from the teams, the fringe schools and the conferences that should be in. I honestly have not looked that deep into it. But I just took this as an example of like the, the conference that has the most teams in there. And we take a look and we're like, well, do we really think the Big Ten is the best conference? They played weak opponents, and maybe we've all played weak opponents. Maybe part of it could be I'm forgetting what it, what it's like to be consistently ranked in like twenty to twenty five range, and really that you know because we've been in the top fifteen and around the top ten for for several years now, and I'm kind of getting used to that and playing on that level of football and forgetting what it's like to be twenty five, and some of that could play into it. Um, so real quick before we move off from this, I, I want to get back to Clemson again. Clemson ranked the number one team in the country for the second week in a row. Cody, do you think that Clemson's the best team in college football? I think they are, but I don't think they're consistent with national championship teams from the past. I think, I think the Kraken before he left STS, I, he was doing some good work comparing us, and we fell short. I think what's, but I think right now, at this point in the season, offense and defense, you know, statistics and the eye test, I think we are the best team. I, I think it's a very, just by the great, you know, the slightest of margins that we're better than the Ohio States, the uh, the Alabamas of the world. But right now, we are. Uh, those teams might have higher ceilings, at least Ohio State. Um, but at at the end of the day, I mean, I, how would how do we do in a playoff? And what's going to happen in this last you know four or five weeks of the season? 
that's that's what matters. And really, I think we need to get to another level if ultimately we do want to win the national championship. Uh, yeah, so so the way I see it, I, I certainly believe that we're in the top four in the country. Absolutely no doubt about that. And I think what we have done on the field, uh, we absolutely deserve to be the number one team in the country. I guess kind of the only really other argument that I can make is Alabama. I know they have that bad loss at home to Ole Miss. Uh, but year in, year out, they're a really good football team. Um, and they just dominated a number two LSU team. Um, it's hard for me to, uh, you know, with... 100% confident say that Clemson is the best team in college football right now. And for a few reasons, um, you know, there, there are several weaknesses on this team. And whereas before in more recent years, I'd just be happy to see us playing so good and maybe I wouldn't gripe about these weaknesses. We are now playing on an elite level and we're talking about the college football playoff. And if we're really talking about being able to contend and be successful and possibly winning a national championship, we have a lot of Again, weaknesses on this team that we have to correct if we're going to you know, stand up against the big boys. Because it's not just one area. There's a few of them. Let's, number one, special teams. Field position just it's, it has not seemed to uh, have been great, especially in recent games. Punting is abysmal. We're not flipping the field. We're giving up too many kick returns. Uh, Hugel has been solid, especially, you know, at least, you know, under 40. But do I uh, trust him in a high-pressure situation at like 45 to 50? Not really. Um, so I think that's an area where an elite team could really, like, you have a few errors in, in special teams in a game against an elite team, they're going to make you pay for that. Uh, our offensive line, better than expected, absolutely. But they're still probably just above average. They're not a great offensive line. Uh, the pass rush out of the front four, uh, haven't really been seeing a lot of that. They've been solid, especially against the run. Our secondary is amazing. Um, and then... Our linebacker play, I mean, we've seen some exposure there, especially uh, on passes across the middle, and, you know, NC State, you know, really had some big plays. So it's not just one area. It's a lot of these things combined that I think ultimately could really hurt us. Watson's been off, you know, slow in a couple games. You know, you do that against Louisville and even Florida State, where they are right now. We are good enough to overcome that. But when you're doing one of the, playing one of the top four teams in the country and you have these issues, that could be a problem. Now, the silver lining is, is that we have four games left here in the three in the regular season, the ACC championship game. And then we have three weeks of bowl practice, assuming we make the college football playoff. That's a good amount of games and a lot of time to really make a lot of corrections and get better. And I, you know, I have confidence that we will do so and we will be able to contend. Well, I, th- I think you're being a little bit nit- nitpicky. I-, I guess when you get to this level of, perf- of the elites, I guess that's some- something you tend to do. But I think we're probably one of the most balanced teams having – Almost every position group on our on the team is is good, at least above average, if not good. Maybe some being great. Maybe the quarterback position. Every team has their warts. LSU certainly has theirs. They were relying on a really good running back to to get them through uh, to cover up some of their weaknesses. Alabama, they're not a great offense. Every team out there has has their has their weaknesses. It, it's my opinion that like Clemson. They're very all around. They're very good. Yeah, special teams could definitely come back to bite us. It, to me, it's not about improving. It's not where we need to go or the gaps. It's it's us. It's like self self inflicted wounds, injuries, yeah. uh, suspensions, things things of that nature. I wouldn't call it like an injury, self inflicted, but you know what I mean. Things that we kind of out of our control. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to come off as being overly critical. Um, I just want to kind of. Um, you know, take a step back and look at this team. I mean, if we're considering ourselves the, the best team in the country, and I'm sure the coaching staff and the players are doing this as well. They're, they're looking at their weaknesses and seeing where they have to improve because if they want, again, best is the standard. If they want to be great, this is what they need to do. And, and, and they already know this. I'm not saying anything they don't know. I just I want to point these things out and let's not get too complacent, at least as a fan base, and get all excited. Like, I, I think we do need to see some of these things improve, but I'm confident that they can there's, I mean, yeah, there, there are some weaknesses, but you have to think of like, what, what do you do well? What, what do you dominate at? And it's the same as in football. It's the same in, in basketball. Like, what is the one thing that no one can stop, that no one can take away from you? And that would be my only concern is, I don't know, maybe aside from Deshaun Watson, um, you know, sometimes he's not the best quarterback ever. And we, sometimes we're going to need him to be. He sets such a high bar for himself, though, and he's a legitimate yes. Heisman contender right now that we are super spoiled 
by this kid. And so, yeah, sometimes we, we are being a little critical. Um, the last thing I'll say on this is that on potential alone of all, you know, all cylinders, you know, going and everything clicking at the same time, that we have the number one potential in college football. Absolutely. And that legitimately puts us in the conversation. And I will still stay very positive and very confident about us moving forward and possibly being national champions. That's fair. I go with Ohio State, unfortunately. But any given Saturday, any given Monday, I guess in this case, we could beat Ohio State. Well, let's see how it turns out. And uh, the kind of the first uh, step on that uh, path here is uh, beating Syracuse, who we play on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a 12.30 start here on the West Coast. I would like to say that you're starting to see some respect, uh, especially with being the number one team in the nation, in that uh, we got a 3.30 start against Syracuse and a 3.30 start against Wake Forest. We're getting away from those noon games, which is nice for us out here, so we don't have to get up and get to the bar at 9 in the morning. Um, So let's talk about Syracuse. Uh, They're 3-6. and They're 1-4 and in the ACC this year. Um, they actually started 4-0 in the season uh, and then lost the last six in a row. They led in every game this year except LSU, which is, uh, you know, it's cute. Uh, they only lost LSU by 10 points, but I think really when it comes down to it, you know, they're the 117th offense in the nation, 101st defense. This is a really bad team, and there's no reason why we should have trouble with them. Um, and, and really, they're a, they're a bad program. Uh, there are 100 FBS teams that have won nine games since the last time Syracuse did. And that's out of 129 programs. Like, there's not a good program. Yeah, I mean, they they do have some things that bode well for them. I mean, they, they put a little bit better at home. Granted, their, their schedule at home has been weak, aside from that LSU game. Um, but they, they're very aggressive with their blitzes. They're kind of all or nothing on defense. We'll get into that. But yeah, it's it's there's I think Alex Kraft, which I watched I read his uh, article on so- Shaking the Southland where he he does some extensive film review of Syracuse and he's like he's miserable because he's got to watch Syrac- Syracuse tape, but he said he said there's we're beginning a series where we have nothing to gain but everything to lose and I think that's kind of what we're looking at when we face Syracuse um, in terms of injuries, a loss or a loss of like perception that we were not as good as everyone thought we were, so. You're right. Regardless of how good or bad they are, there's not not a whole lot to gain. Yeah, and again, I I'm not worried about this game at all. I, I think they're a bad football team, um, and we stack up very well against them. We're way more talented than they are, and you know this. Now, listen, you know Syracuse is going to start stuff with us. They they come into the, to the ACC, and uh, Tully has uh, kind of compared them to. Uh, uh, like a like a guy who enters prison for the first time, he looks for a guy to beat up uh, to establish their reputation. Uh, but then you really get to know them. You realize they're not all that big and scary. You know, we we brought them in as a basketball powerhouse, but but you know the the controversy with Jim Beheim and him leaving, and they haven't even lived up to that. So, you know, having them even in the ACC, I, I don't think I don't see how they benefit us that much, aside from the fact that they bring a the lucrative New York City uh, media market. Um, you know, they try to start this fight with us about being orange and like, okay, that's great. that That's adorable. We know who the real orange team is. Uh, their coach, Scott Schaefer, you know, the last time he went to Syracuse was cussing out Dabo on the sideline for running up the score. Uh, so we went for it on fourth and one while up 28. But you know what? Whatever. It was still the first half. Um the funny thing is he could be cussing out Dabo again on his way out the door this time as he's on the hot seat. He hasn't been doing very uh, well there, and uh, he's had some kind of misuse of their quarterback. Uh, so, you know, maybe our coaching elimination tour continues. Um, and the last thing I say, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're daunting uh, dome up there that they've got. You know, it's supposed to be really loud and supposed to be really hot, and we're supposed to be scared of that. Um, you know, which, you know, scare tactics, whatever. You're not really pulling anything on us we, we play in a hot place and play in a loud environment yeah i mean i mean they're actually they they do gain s- some home field advantage from that i mean the numbers do show for whatever reason it is loud i mean you got to give them that but ultimately the last time we went in there taj boy just lit them up it was like they were running just ghost routes against no defense and i you could see a lot of the same against deshaun watson we didn't see the same performance from cole stout last year but you know 
that was an injured Cole Stout. But I, I think Deshaun Watson has all the tools to really just pick their defense apart. Yeah, but do you really think the heat's a problem in that dome? Maybe the loudness? No. I mean, come on. It's the carrier dome, which would be kind of ironic when you think about it. You know, uh, an HVAC company uh, is too hot in there. <laughs> I think I think ultimately it's just, I don't know. I still don't know what, what Syracuse is doing in the ACC. I, I, I get it. I get the this, the business sense, the business uh, the strategy there to get that New York City market. But does it really? I mean, Syracuse isn't New York City, and... They don't really do anything well aside from basketball, and that's about to go out the window with Bayheim's, you know, departure. Yeah, no, I think they're damn near Canada, so maybe we're going for that Canadian, that lucrative Canadian market. It is very, yeah, good point. Canadians. <laughs> okay, a let's uh, let's get into the the breakdown of the uh, of the games uh, of the each side of the ball here. Let's start with Clemson's offense. Um, Crowder and McLeod are going to be out for this game. We kind of expected that coming in. This is a good game for them to come back and rest. We expect them to be back this season. Um, so really not too worried there. Um, but the offense itself, um, what type of play we really think we're going to be seeing out of this? Uh, listen, Syracuse does not have a dynamic defense. They do blitz a lot, but uh, it's, it's shown that it's pretty easy to figure out. And if their blitzes aren't successful, it leaves their secondary um, out to dry. So, you know, for us, really, on our side of the ball in offense, I really see the play calling kind of maybe going vanilla. I, I don't see any reason to show our cards in this game. I, I think we need to – we will run up the score. I don't think it will be that difficult and get some other guys in there. But I think, we, for the most part, we should be able to pick them apart pretty easily. Yeah, if they're going to bring the house, I mean, you're going to see a ton of screen passes in this game, for one, just to keep the defense honest and to keep Deshaun Watson healthy. I think that's the number one goal. But also, you're going to see a lot of downfield stuff, and they're going to. We're going to. Deshaun Watson's really good at that. He's good at. He's he's shown an improvement in being able to read the defense and to make adjustments. And you're going to see him air it out to just Deion Kane, probably to uh, Sharon Peak. And I hope I hope it's that quick. I hope we can establish a nice lead in the first half and just get Deshaun Watson to rest up on the bench on the bench. Yeah, I really do expect a big game out of both Watson and Gallman in this. I think they should both have big days, and I totally agree. I think you're gonna see a lot of good stuff out of Kane as he continues to to emerge this season. And I think maybe call up some plays for Hunter Renfro too to kind of get his confidence back up and back on trap um, track after a rather pedestrian uh, Florida State game. Um, and then I'm kind of really excited to see Kelly Bryant come in at some point. I think uh, these next two games, Syracuse and Wake Forest, really give him an opportunity and some other guys on um, backups on the offense, especially along the offensive line, to get in there and get some playing time. Yeah, I, I'm very excited about Kelly Bryant. I, I think he should be getting all of the second-team reps at this point. He's He really can add a, a, an element to the offense that we could almost – I don't think we would do this, but we could almost use it in – and select packages, to, you know, whenever we need like a, a run play, do some type of option or something, a zone read. But he, he can definitely add an element to the offense that we don't really have or that we don't really need to have with Deshaun Watson and his health. Yeah, so again, I, we really expect and hope that the game's in a situation where he gets to come in because uh, I think he really needs to start to develop. And I want to see him. He's, he's got good numbers passing this year, but I think they've been very safe passes. But that's the part of his game he really needs to develop. But I guess going back, you know, their defense as a whole, again, uh, they blitz a lot. That's what they do. But if that's not successful, it really opens you up for some big plays. And their secondary is weak as it is. Their D-line hasn't really been getting a great pass rush. The defensive ends haven't been getting to the quarterback. Their linebackers have had issues tackling this year. Um, they do have a linebacker, Zaire Franklin. He's been getting in the backfield a lot, but otherwise he's had some, some tackling issues too. Um, I really see our, because of all these things, I really see our wide receivers being able to run free on their secondary, and that's why I kind of see a balanced attack in this game. I think Gallman's going to be able to, to get his yardage, get over a 100-yard game again, but at the same time, the wide receivers, I really expect to see us spread it out and get it to a lot of guys. Yeah, I think you'll see the same thing. You saw it against Florida State, spreading it out, quick passes again. I mean, you might see a few downfield passes um, just to keep the defense honest, but ultimately it's it's keeping Deshaun Watson healthy. Uh, maybe you'll see a lot of, uh, like, you'll see maybe Artavis Scott in motion, get him a, get him a few, like, bubble screens, what, whatever the case, just to get him going. Um, but, uh, again, I'd like to see by the third quarter our second second team guys in there. 
Yeah, but at the same time, I still expect us to keep our foot on the gas pedal and really run up the score. Really, uh, right now for the rest of the season, at least until the ACC championship game, we're working off perception because we're not playing any any high-power foes. We're playing Syracuse, Wake Forest, and South Carolina, who are all really bad football teams, and then probably North Carolina in the ACC championship game, who, if they went out, should be ranked you know, a fairly decent position you know, in the top 15. Um, so, yeah, I think we're working off a perception at this point to keep us at that number one position. I expect us to, to put up big numbers on offense this week, and we're going to see Schaefer cussing a lot again. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Kind of the opposite of Dabo. I, I mean, you, do you really think that Dabo thinks about perception right now? I, I can't see that being the case. I, it's, it, he, it's, it's fair for him to think like that. We need to put some stop points on the board. But I think at this point, all he can be thinking about is health of the starters and then second, getting reps for the second team. Which, which we need to develop depth because well, that, that will help us down the road. I totally agree with that. But you saw what we did to a Miami team, beat them 58 to nothing. Um, and they're a much better team than Syracuse is. So that still happened. Uh, that still happened with, with second and third team guys. So I think on talent alone, our second team is better than their starters. I mean, and that's how it should be. So even though we take the first teamers out, it doesn't mean we can't stop scoring. That's true. And again, hope, hopefully Kelly Bryant's in there um, and get him some action, get some of these uh, second team offensive linemen some action because I think there's we saw Crowder go down you know you never know when you're going to plug a guy in and again I don't want Joey Bosa facing a very green Jake through Morgan or on the opposite side having to plug Taylor Hearn in for Mitch Hyatt yeah and I agree with you I I really do think we need to get the the backup offensive linemen some uh some more reps especially in these next two weeks I don't ex- especially expect maybe to see them so much against South Carolina. I really expect us to s- see us uh, put our foot on the throats of them. Um, but like I was talking about in the conversation about whether or not we're, n- we're the number one team in the country and having our uh, above-average offensive line with not great depth, but the fact that we do have four games left uh, definitely uh, this year and then three weeks of bowl practice – you can really start to see some guys to, to develop in that time. And I think playing time is a big part of that. And then those practice days uh, uh, before the, the possible college football playoffs. Um, so the last thing we'll touch on here for the offense, uh, I just want to note that uh, Zach Brooks, who is kind, kind of a kind of a kind of emergency locked up our, our second um, string running back. Uh, he's declared as a senior, um, and he's prepared to kind of move on in his career. He's going to give the NFL a shot. If not, he hopes to have a future in uh, interior design. Uh, you know, we kind of hope he would stay. The coach hopes, the coaching staff uh, hoped he would stay, and maybe he'll change his mind. But if not, you know, all the best of luck to him. The young man is, uh, he's, he's making, um, you know, decisions uh, that are best for his future. And, you know, whatever he decides to do, it'll be a tiger for life. Wish him the best. Yo, if you, ever haven't, if you haven't seen Zach Brooks in an interview, the guy's so dialed in, so focused. I, I, like, I, I just like listening to him. He sounds so intense. He gets me amped up um, just, just listening to an interview. So, yeah, like, like you said, best of luck to, to Zach Brooks, wherever, whichever path he goes. All right, now, so let's, uh, let's flip it over to the defense. Um, you know, the past couple games, uh, you know, the game against NC State was a little shaky on defense. Obviously, they put up, uh, they put up into the 40s. Um, and then the game against Florida State, it was kind of a bend-don't-break situation, really, when you took a step back and looked at it after the game and realized uh, that, you know, they only scored, what, 13 points, even though Dalvin Cook went off for nearly 200 rushing yards. Um, it was kind of surprising in that game. They didn't, Florida State didn't score more than that. So a couple possibly little shaky games for the defense. Um, I think opposing offenses have found some weak spots and started to pick on them. You know, maybe North Carolina State came out in some, uh, some formations we weren't prepared for. So, but all in all, this game, I see it being a return to a, to a just dominating defensive performance. I think so too. And what you've seen is a lot of the, the linebackers, Ben Bulware mainly, missing his gap or choosing the wrong gap. And I'm, I'm interested to see a little bit better analysis from a more you know, football you know, diehard who, who can really na- analyze this sort of thing. I guess the guys from SDS are probably coming out with some stuff. But 
it's simply like same same thing happened from with NC State, and then it happened again in the Florida State game. Dalvin Cook found that found that gap and just took off, and there was no one in the second level to to help defend that. So I don't I agree with you though. I don't expect to see that from Syracuse. They don't really don't have a running back of that caliber. Well, and to be fair, Dalvin Cook could very well be the best player in college football. Yeah, I, I wasn't here for the recap, but yeah, he actually surprised me with how much better I thought he was. I, I had no, I knew how quick he was. I had no idea how strong he was. That center of gravity, obviously he's chiseled, but man, people were, he was just bouncing off of tackles. And then if you miss him, if you miss him on that initial tackle at the line of scrimmage, he's gone. And not to mention he was injured. Yeah, a couple of injuries, a hamstring, and then I believe an ankle. I, I hate that he's not a junior. I wish you were. I wish you were already gone. <laughs> um, but again, yeah, from Syracuse, we don't really expect to see that in this game, so that's a positive. Again, we think it should be a dominating defensive performance. Uh, so one of the issues Syracuse is facing right now is that their freshman quarterback Eric Dungey, who's played the most this season, um, has suffered a uh, shoulder slash collarbone injury. Last week against Louisville, and he's also had some concussion issues. Um, so he's unlikely to start this game. We think backup Zach Mahoney is going to be in there. And really, for the most part, we, we think the fan base really wants him to sit. He's taken a lot of hits this year as a freshman. Um, and considering that Syracuse is likely not going to make a bowl game, their season is really going nowhere, it would be smart for them to rest him in this game. Um, obviously, he's their top passer. He's also their second leading rusher, so they do lose a bit with him not being in there. He has the most rushing TDs on the team with five on the year. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think there's it's really worth talking about him a lot because, again, I think Zach Mahoney is the guy um, that's going to be playing in this game. So with Zach Mahoney in there, it really limits the speed of their offense, um, and, which is already a very slow offense. So really don't expect them to move the ball very much in this game. Uh and, you know, from the defensive front, I think it all starts there. We want to see pressure applied by the front four, get the guys in the backfield, disrupt whatever they're trying to do, and go from there. Yeah, I'd like to see – obviously Shaq Lawson's done a great job both with the run um, and and get a little bit of uh, penetration into the backfield. But not he's not your Vic Beasley. I mean, who is? I'd like to see Richard Yergin and Austin Bryant get a chance to get in there. Not necessarily because they're any better than Shaq Lawson or Kevin Dodd, but just because it's good to get experience for these younger guys who ultimately, especially in the case of Yergin, will have a better chance to be more of a pass rusher and get to the quarterback. Well, yeah, and not to mention resting Lawson a little bit, who's coming off a shoulder injury from the last game. that We haven't really talked about much. We haven't seen a lot about it. Uh, he got back in the game and everything was fine, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think at this point in the season, uh, when you can rest these guys and spell them for a little bit and then get your backups in there, it's very helpful. It'd be a great opportunity to rest him. I mean, I know Cortison goes a long way, but I'd rather him just be healthy for you know for the remainder of the season. And unless we're trailing in the second half, I would I would you know let him rest early if possible. Yeah, so uh, getting back to Syracuse's offense, um, th- this is a team that really has no identity. Uh, other than the fact that they kind of rely on big plays, uh, which is kind of like how Florida State did on off- on offense, except for the fact that Florida State has a ton more talent than Syracuse does. Uh, part of the problem is, I think, is they've been kind of spreading the ball around too much and not really identifying who their playmakers are and getting the ball to them. I mean, if you go back and look at their box scores from their games, I mean, balls are going to, you know, so many different people are getting uh, touches and no but one person is really dominating. Um, and, and I think that's kind of been an issue from them. Uh, you got guys like wide receiver Dante Strickland or Brisley um, Esteem. Maybe we're gonna we'll figure it out on Saturday. <laughs> we're gonna pronounce that. Um, uh, who you know they they think are really dynamic guys who can be playmakers. But if they're only getting a few touches a game, then you know again they're only getting around 60 snaps a game. So when you start getting everybody five snaps or five or six touches, that really starts to limit what they're able to do. Yeah, and I think uh, Alex Kraft, by the way, he's he's a guy that, that breaks down the film on STS. He actually does have some defensive film review from the FSU game that I'm definitely going to dial into. He does a great job, by the way. I've been reading his stuff a good bit. Um, and, and DBBM, whoever um, that is. I don't know the name there, but... Both of those guys do a great job. Um, so, so yeah, looking at esteemy, esteem, whatever for 
for Syracuse, you know, Alex Kraft was was saying that you know he could very well make some plays. He he expects him to make one or two big plays, probably in special teams, but also um, kind of in that slot type role going up against our our nickel, which could very well be like a Travis Blanks, and that could be the one mismatch that they have that could lead to some points for Syracuse. Hopefully, nothing too crazy, but it, you know, if they put up 21, 28 points, it could likely be because of that guy. Yeah, and I totally agree. Now, their top wide receiving target is Steve Ishmael, um, and he's got 30 receptions, 458 yards, and five TDs on the season. But you're going to have Mac, you know, um, you know, pitted against him, and that that's really going to limit what he's going to be able to do. Uh, their running back, Jordan Fredericks, been averaging 5.2 yards a carry, and that's that's good. But he hasn't gotten a lot of touches again this year, so. You know, really out of us and out of this defense, what it really comes down to, I, I, I'm interested to see if they do pick on our linebackers or like the nickel uh, position in coverage um, with some of their playmakers. And that's really, I think, the big thing to look for because overall I don't think our t- secondary is going to get tested at all. We're still, still on Mac watch to see if he gets a pick. I don't think it happens in this game because, um, you know, Ishmael, if, if Max will be covering him, they're going to have other guys to go to, and I think they're going to shy away from Mac. Yeah, I mean, that's always the case. But I think another part of this is just making sure the safeties are dialed in and that they're focused, they don't become overzealous. There's going to be a lot happening at the line of scrimmage against the Syracuse team because we're probably going to have a a very um, significant... So we need to see... And something, I I don't know what it is, but it's it's such, I don't want to say poor, but almost like lackadaisical efforts from Curse and TJ Green... I think both of those guys a great job and they're intense, but they just they've been a little bit off for whatever reason. I want to see them look very physical, very dialed in, but also good in coverage and not missing missing any assignments over the top. Yeah, and again, you know, this goes back kind of to our nitpicking situation. We we, we expect this as an elite defense, and we're going to be playing elite teams uh, when we get into a playoff situation. So these are the things that we like to start to break down and see how we how we look in games like this against a team like Syracuse, who we should steamroll easily because that's going to kind of predict how we play against better teams. I think so. I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said for how you do play against these lower level teams. I think you look at LSU that squeaked it out versus Syracuse. I, I think that has a little bit to say with a little bit to do with uh, traveling up to New York because no one wants to do that. But I think a little bit of it too, is they have some, there's some gaps, there's some holes there and they're, they've been exposed now. And I, I think, putting up these efforts like the 58 to nothings against Miami's, pulling out these lower level teams. It goes to show that you're solid, you know, throughout the roster, throughout your depth chart. You got a player at every position. There's no gaps. There's no holes. And I think that's what we want to see in this game. Yeah. So, you know, even though we expect it to be a, you know, we're playing a boring team and what's probably going to be a boring game. It's going to get out of hand early. Team that's scared to wear orange against us, they're going to be wearing blue this week. Although in their defense, it is for Veterans Day week. We'll give them that. Um, but th- th- there are still things to look for is essentially what we're saying is that, I mean, even when we win and we win big, we still have to analyze the different levels of, of both the offense, the defense, and the special teams that we'll get to in a, here in a second um, because eventually we are going to be playing likely very, very good competition. And we need to see the development continue in all phases of the game. So on that note, let's get into special teams for a second. Um, really not much to, to say here. Um, you know, Syracuse's kicker, Cole Murphy, struggles over 40 yards. Otherwise, he's been decent. So, yeah, if the game comes down close and uh, he has a 45-yard field goal to win it, then, uh, then uh, yeah, we have hope. But guess what? That's not going to happen. Um, so let's take a look at what Clemson needs to, we need to look at in this part of the game. Obviously, kick returns and kickoffs. You know, until we get a big lead, just can, can Ammon just kick the ball halfway deep or out of the end zone? We're in a dome in this game. The weather shouldn't be an issue. I just want to see that happen every single time. At the same time, if we get up like 28 to nothing, do we start to kick the ball sh- short on purpose, essentially? To, to test our uh, our you know our uh, kick uh, kick coverage, I I don't think so. I just want to see him kick it through the through the end zone every time, and not allow that that to be a disadvantage for us. It's it's gone on too long, and if you can ever avoid collisions, just avoid them. And if you if you can ever give uh, avoid a potential big play, just avoid it. Kick it through the kick it through the end zone, and let's let's make that kind of the status quo. 
Yeah, I guess part of me wants to see it happen because I want the confidence that he can actually do it. But at the same time, I mean, we need practice on this, and so you're not going to get actual – like in practice itself, you're not going to get the same type of experience as you are on the field. So moving forward, I think these guys need some opportunities to show what they can do and improve. Um, and moving on real quick last to punting, just overall this needs to improve. We, improve. we talked about the field position game. Like our offense is having to drive long fields. They had to do it against Florida State. That's why we saw some drives really start to be put together that ultimately stalled, but we were starting so far back in our own territory. So being able to flip the field is a huge deal, um, again, especially against playing really good teams. So Teasdall, like we need to see something more than 35-yard punts every time. Yeah, you're right. When the margin of error gets a lot smaller against these higher-level teams, that's going to be something that will win us a game or lose us a game. And uh, the one thing you, that you said at the beginning of the season, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You could be playing a JV varsity high school football team. Uh, your punt is going to remain the same. So we need to see how they perform. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's it for the doom and gloom segment of the, uh, the podcast today. Let's, uh, let's get on to some uh, brighter, uh, greener pastures here. Let's get to our predictions. Um, Tully, um, you know, tending to uh, Thomas Patrick, still has the, the time to come up with a prediction. He's got Clemson 49, Syracuse 10. Uh, Cody, what do you have? I've got 45-17. I think we, we get off to a, a quick start. Ultimately, I think the game becomes very boring by the second half, and you know we have the second teamers in, um, but they do put a few points on the board. They do have a few big plays. Forty-five, seventeen. Yeah, for me, I've got fifty-two to seven. I think with uh, with Dungy out, he's their quarterback of the future, and I think the offense really takes a step back for Syracuse uh, when Mahoney's in there, just because it limits the speed of their offense that is already kind of slow. Um, so I, I don't really see them scoring a lot. And then on the offensive end for Clemson, I, I mean, I don't even know where to stop the scoring. I'm going to say 52, but I think really if we wanted to, we could score as much as we wanted um, in this game. Our, our offense is that good. What, what's your – because I don't see Deshaun Watson running the ball. I think he's going to be throwing it a lot. What's your over-under on, uh, let's say, four-and-a-half touchdowns for Deshaun Watson? Yep. Both passing and rushing combined? No, no, just passing. I'm sorry. Just passing? Oh, uh, well, what's five times seven? 35? I take the over. So five passing touchdowns. At least. I'm taking the over, yeah. Okay. I think I would too. Yeah, I I think we're going to see it this game. I think it's going to be pretty easy to pass on them again. I think we'll be able to handle their blitz and their secondary is weak, and uh, our wide receivers are just going to, again, run all over them all day. Um, let's take a look around college football. What else is going on this week? Um, you know, these things are starting to affect us less as the season goes along. And obviously we're now the number one team in the country, but there are some interesting games. Uh, number two, uh, Alabama travels to Mississippi state. Uh, I think the ranking for Mississippi state, Mississippi state is deceiving. Um, I don't think their schedule has been that strong. Uh, and maybe this could be a close game, and we might be looking for opportunities for Alabama to get their second loss to get knocked out of the playoff discussion, but I don't see it happening here. Well, you have to keep in mind, they almost lost to Tennessee, Alabama, that is. They they played Texas A&M fairly close. This is uh, an SEC. You know, my friend from South Carolina that came in over the weekend, he, he had a good point. He's like, it's not always about the SEC having a great team or great teams throughout from the Mississippi states, the Arkansas, the South Carolinas of the world. It's that every time you go to an SEC school, there's 80,000, 90,000 screaming fans, and there is a significant home field advantage. And it just it doesn't necessarily happen every time you go to Syracuse if you go to Wake Forest and Boston College. So I totally agree with him and you know from that standpoint. And I, I think Alabama could totally totally lose to Mississippi State. I mean they're not that bad of a team. Hey, more cowbell. <laughs> okay, then we got uh, some ACC title game implications. We got Miami at North Carolina, so this is a common opponent. We can see how uh, North Carolina deals with Miami. Um, I, I think we both agree that North Carolina is the best team in the ACC Coastal Division. We fully expect them to represent that division in the ACC championship game. But it'd be interesting to see here how they stack up against Miami. Yeah, I mean, frankly, I want to see North Carolina emerge. I, I think they're good. I watched them against Duke. I don't looking at how they would fare against Clemson. I don't think they match up up front. I think we have a, a significant advantage there. But this is a good offense. They have a they have a, a stable of playmakers, and their defense is you know improved under Gene Chizik. That's a good team. They're twenty three now. I don't think they're getting quite the respect that they deserve. They shouldn't have lost to South Carolina to begin the year. 
I mean, literally on, on, in, in every way, they should not have lost to South Carolina, but they did. And now they're, they're stuck at the 23 uh, slot. They should probably be in a top 20, maybe a top 15 team. And if they can win out, that, I, they'll, they'll definitely be a top 15 team. And that's someone that Clemson can say is a notch on their belt if they could beat them, obviously. Yeah, especially for a Clemson team that needs another notch. I mean, just, just for our own sake, it'd be comforting for us to see a, us beat another uh, pretty good team. Um, Wake Forest and Notre Dame, uh, really just looking at this one, I look to see if Notre Dame is actually dominant. I mean, Wake Forest is a bad football team. They're going to be traveling to Notre Dame. Notre Dame should handle them no problem. Uh, another interesting game, Oklahoma at number six, Baylor. I think this is Baylor. Uh, they've been kind of stagnant in the polls. I think this is their opportunity to really um, to, to you know say something for themselves and take a stand and be like, listen, we're still here. We're still a good football team. Uh, we're undefeated. We've played well all year. We deserve to be in the top four. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've looked all through college football, and that's really the only game I'm zoned in, like you know, must-see TV is that Oklahoma and Baylor game. And I think you're exactly right. Is Baylor is their first, really their first true test of the season, they have that, you know, their backup quarterback, true freshman in there. Can they can they prove themselves? And they're at home uh, against uh, probably, I, in my opinion, an overrated Oklahoma team. We'll see if what they're made of. Yeah, and then last but not least, uh, you know, we like to touch on the Gamecocks uh, every episode. Uh, we got number eleven Florida at South Carolina. Uh, you know, some some fire behind this one here, some commonality, and uh, with Steve Spurrier, do we see an upset here for uh, for South Carolina? Well, I don't know if you heard, Steve Spurrier resigned a few weeks ago, so he's no longer there. I think they call it quit. Yeah, he quit. Okay. He quit. Um, I There actually could be an upset. Florida's not – I mean, they're, they're 11 in the poll, and I think that's fair. I don't think they're world beaters. And they're playing, again, they're playing at South Carolina. This could definitely be an upset. I don't think it'll happen, but it could be. South Carolina's motivation here, or at least maybe the motivation for us, for South Carolina to win, is that um, you know they need to get to that uh, five-win mark for coming into our game to for us to beat them and keep them out of a uh, a bowl game. But you know what? I don't see it happening here. I think they're going to lose to Florida. They play Citadel before they play us, and then uh, and then it's going to be an annihilation in Columbia. Um, okay, so that wraps it up for the, the football segment. But guess what, guys? It's also basketball season. Uh, the Clemson's first game against North Carolina Central uh, is on Friday. Um, so we're going to take a quick look at the basketball team this year. Last season, uh, Clemson was 16-15, and 8-10 and 10 in the ACC. Had some inexplicable losses real early um, to Winthrop and Gardner-Webb. Uh, we did put on uh, a four-game win streak to put us at fourteen and eight and uh, six and four in the ACC um, in the middle of the season, and things were starting to look like they might turn around. Uh, with two games left, we were sixteen and twelve, eight and eight in the ACC, and there was some maybe little chatter um, about a possible NCAA tournament, depending on how we finished the season and if we won a couple games in the ACC tournament. Ultimately, that didn't happen. We lost the last two, and then to FSU in the ACC tourney. There was actually no postseason uh, in, in what was really a disappointing year. And under Brad Brownell, you know, we're kind of expecting more. And a lot of people were kind of, you know, their patience is wearing thin with him. Yeah. And by, by the way, now that we have a chance to talk about Ryan Cantor, who does great work for STS, um, he, he's, he's normally going to be the guy that's covering basketball there. And he, he really does. He's, he's young, a young guy. He's going to be probably, as long as he chooses or uh, he decides to be the a writer for uh, for Clemson Sports. He's going to be you know one of the main guys. I think he has a bright future. So shout out to him. And yeah, so going going through you know he talked about uh, in one of Ryan's recent recent articles he talked about the um, this being kind of a a year that Brian, Brad Brownell will have kind of a short or a, a leash with next year being his. You have to perform. You have to have an NCAA tournament. Uh, by at least next year, or you know, you're probably getting the axe. But this could be a year if uh, Dante Grantham, if Jerome Boston game can progress the way that we hope that they will, that it could it could it could lead to an NCAA appearance. Ultimately, I don't think it will. I think there's too many too many things that need to happen. Too many players that really need to overperform or outperform expectations. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it is a possibility. We'll see if it actually happens. Um, you know. Who, who we lost, let's look at that real quick coming into this year. Obviously, Rod Hall, 
who has you know been an important part of Clemson's team at the point guard position, uh, really throughout his career. Uh, you know he's a loss just because of his grittiness and his defense um, and kind of his leadership. However, on the offensive side of the ball, we're not losing really anything or much at all there. Demarcus Harrison, we're losing, but honestly, I don't think he ever lived up to what we thought he would be. And every time he got the ball in transition, I thought he was just kind of like a, you know, an awkward baby gazelle or something going down the court. It just <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Um, but kind of the you know a big surprise, and I think kind of maybe one of the biggest takeaways from this team this year is Austin Ajuqua transferring right before the season because he's shown flashes of really being able to play offense and he really fills a spot on our roster that we're lacking in depth and now we're going to look to see some other young guys step in um so it's it's really unfortunate that that he's left the team yeah it's kind of surprising he was going to play a big role i mean they they need him not just for depth he i mean he's he's an athletic guy on the perimeter he can shoot a little that's exactly what they needed and yeah i don't know that he would have started but he would have got plenty of playing time, so it's kind of surprising to see him go. But that's going to put a, a huge, huge uh, kind of responsibility on some of these guys coming in, including uh, true freshman Ty Hudson. Yeah, so speaking of Hudson, let's look at the guys that we've added to the team this year. Um, uh, there, there's a couple guys we won't get into that are, are JUCO transfers, I guess, and they won't play till next year. But one JUCO transfer that is playing, or not a JUCO transfer, but a transfer in general that will be playing this year, uh, is point guard Avery Holmes. He's coming in as a junior. He's a transfer from the University of San Francisco, uh, the Dons. Uh, he was uh, the West Coast Conference all on the all-freshman team. I, I think he's overall an upgrade from Wal- Rod Hall. The defense is not going to be as good, but he can really shoot the three. Um, and I know you're saying, okay, he played in the West Coast Conference, but you know he went up against teams like Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's, teams that are, for the most part, they're, they're in the tourney. Year yeah. in and year out. And ball don't lie, man. It's kind of like a field goal. Ball don't lie. Um, if you can shoot on, on that level, you can shoot in the ACC. It, that, that's not really a talent that is perishable. Um, so I think having a shooter on this team has been something that you haven't really seen on a consistent basis since, I don't even know, is it Casey Rivers? Rivers maybe? and Oglesby. And yeah, guys like that. You, you need it, and it's become such an important aspect in the game. And we it, He's obviously, he does a lot more than that. He's a, he's a point guard, and hopefully he'll be... We'll see how he can distribute the basketball, but you need to open up some lanes. If you if you got a guy like um, uh, Rod Hall who can't shoot, you you don't have, you can play off of him, and that takes a lot away from a guy like Jerron Blossom game or Dante Grantham who need needs to penetrate through that lane. So it's it's space and pace. That's the new era of basketball, and if <laughs> Avery Holmes is is a it's going to be a huge asset just in that regard. Something you don't even. You're not even consciously doing or any, anything you're actually actively involved in, but it, it has such a huge impact overall in the game. Yeah, I really think so, too. I expect a lot of good things out of him this year. We, we touched already on Ty Hudson, a true freshman coming in. He was actually a four-star prospect, which four-star prospect in basketball doesn't mean as much as it does in football. Um, but we really expect him now to get more playing time with the loss of Juqua. He's kind of uh, similar to Rod Hall in that he's going to be a gritty guy, play defense, but really hoping that his offense can – develop and we we expect him to get some good playing time this year um and then kind of a last guy who we added uh center legend roberton he's coming in as a sophomore he's a transfer he's a seven true seven foot center he has some eligibility issues right now we're not sure if he's going to start the season and may have to come in next semester but we really do expect him to contribute a lot on defensive end this year um not on the offensive end i think that's going to take some development but hey anytime you get a seven foot guy you know you know, I, I expect that he'll end up better than Bobo, um, hopefully. <laughs> now, I've seen fel- film of Legend, and he—I mean—he looks solid. You're right. I don't—he's not polished offensively. N- no seven footer is hardly that's that young. But he's—he's he's, any guy that's seven foot and is, is athletic and and has you know at least decent footwork can be an impact player on the defensive end. So yeah, I hope he does get, get his eligibility issues in order because. He could definitely be a, a, a significant playmaker behind some of our uh, upperclassmen. Oh, yeah, and speaking of those upperclassmen, let's let's talk about our impact players, uh, guys that are returning from last year. Uh, I think let's start, obviously, with Jerron Blossom game. You know, he's coming as a junior. He really took a huge step last year, especially in the absence of K.J. McDaniels. Uh, Brad Brunel, I think, for the first time, returns as leading scorer from a team. He's really going to carry the team this year, and I really expect a lot of good things out of him. Uh, center Landry Noko. Uh, he's a senior. He did not take the big step forward last year that 
that we all expected him to, had, got into a lot of foul trouble. We really hope that happens this year because if he if he can really progress, I think that's a huge, huge positive for this team. Uh, Dante Grantham um, started every game as a true freshman, I believe, last year. His slot, shot selection was poor, but Brad Bonnell is putting a lot of stock in this guy, and that's you know, and you saw that in how he played so much as a true freshman. Uh, point guard Jordan Roper, uh, he's a senior, has potential. We can see him turn around games with his shooting ability, but it's been inconsistent. Does he step it up this year? And then Gabe DeVoe, uh, sophomore, his shooting can be a huge asset, um, but he looked kind of lost last year, um, and he needs to prove him defensive end. And the last couple guys... Uh, City Jate um, does his offensive game develop this year. Uh, you know he can be help fill in, especially if Noko's in trouble the defensive end. But it'd be really great to get some offense out of him. And then Josh Smith, um, another forward. We saw him got increased playing time because of Noko's uh, foul troubles and just a grinder and a blue collar guy. And you know he had some actually pretty pretty good games and surprising to see. He has a ceiling, but I just love the way he plays. Yeah, I think I look for, like you said, Gabe DeVoe. He, he did look a little bit lost last year, but a lot of freshmen look lost. The biggest progression in, in all college sports, or at least the, the two sports that I care about, basketball and football, happens during that transition from freshman to sophomore year. So, again, shooting such an asset, it opens up driving lanes for some of these other guys. Um, I, I look for him. If he can emerge and if, if Grantham can emerge, I think – I think Clemson could get uh, could take a step forward. Otherwise, I think you're going to see a, maybe a small improvement from last year. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I think a lot of guys are really going to have to take up and t- uh, step up and take huge steps forward. You know, I've I've actually been kind of excited by the guys that Brandon's been been bringing in, but at the same time, it's been kind of alarming how many guys are transferring out of the program. So you mentioned this before. Uh, and I think Brownell does have a longer leash this year because we're playing in Greenville. Um, the Little John renovations are going on, so we're willing to see those facilities kind of take a step up to see if that helps improve recruiting. He's been successful before he came to Clemson, so he still has a little bit more time, but that window is getting much smaller. So kind of what to expect you know, for me out of this year. We see some rule changes in college basketball that's really going to affect the pace of play and scoring which normally I wouldn't think helps Clemson at all because we haven't had really great scores recently, and especially under Brad Brownell. But that also, you know, with, also with a new 30-second shot clock, um, that really kind of helps us on the defensive end because we're not having to defend for as long. We're a really good defensive team. So I don't know. I kind of see that as a push maybe, between how that affects our offense and defense. It forces us into shots on offense, which we're not good at. But at the same time, we don't have to defend as much. I, that's pretty good logic there. Can't disagree with that. I'll, I'll say old, I, the five second reduction in the shot clock. I don't think will have a huge impact, even across college basketball. I think it's a step in the right direction for college basketball, but ultimately, it's not the twenty four second shot clock. If that did happen, then uh, Brad Brownell's you know, really the thing that's made him successful as a coach, really grinding it out, going utilize you know forcing thirty five seconds of of shot clock on the defensive end and grinding things out. Um, it would completely diminish him as a coach. 30 seconds, not a big deal. Ultimately, I, I won't say he's a great coach. If he doesn't have any offensive firepower, then the ship, the ship is not going to be righted. We'll say that. Yeah, that's really been the thorn in his side, and it's something, again, he hasn't returned. This is the first time he's returned his leading scorer. So K.J. McDaniels comes back and plays last year. It's a completely different situation. Um, okay, just kind of looking how we think this, the season will unfold, I think, I think there's a – Really, the ceiling is maybe like 18 and 12, and it could very well be like 16 and 14. I think we're in that range. I will say this about Brownell. His teams have overperformed compared to what they were ranked coming into each season, how they think they're going to finish in the ACC. Um, Non-conference, just don't lose stupid games. Get out of there at like 9 and 3, 10 and 2. I think that's a success. And if we can hit 500 or above in in conference play, I I think that's a, a success as well. Um, the NCAA tournament, I think, is a possibility. I think more likely, definitely the NIT. And do we win our our uh, game in Chapel Hill for the first time ever? Uh, it's our first ACC game this year. Uh, no, sorry, it's not going to happen. North Carolina is actually there, the preseason number one. They're very good. That's probably not going to happen. A very top-heavy ACC with uh, with Duke and Virginia, North Carolina at the top, but not the the bottom of the conference. The middle of the conference is very much winnable. So Clemson could close that gap, but 
will it happen? I, I don't think so either. I think 500 is, I won't say optimistic. I think that's probably right on. All in all, you know, I think there are a lot of things to look forward to this year. The the playing in Greenville thing, that'll be a little um, of a hiccup maybe. We'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, I really want Clemson to be better at basketball because, actually, I really love college basketball. It's such an exciting thing. Um, and I'm pulling for Brownell. I'm pulling for the guys um, on the team. Like, I, I think they do have a lot of potential. Um, but we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. Um, you know, we're we're building up football. I think it'll be great to build up basketball. It'll really help us span. Uh, you know, between that and baseball season, and if we get better in baseball against the big three sports, uh, I think overall the potential there is great. It doesn't have to be limited to football. I think we can be better at, at more than that. Well, for one, facilities goes a long way. It blo- it, it blows my mind how like tradition matters a little bit less when you have really nice facilities because these 18 year olds they haven't lived as long as we've lived you know not that we're that that we're old guys but getting you know you get a little awestruck when you go into a really nice facility it's happened with Oregon football so I think this could really move the needle for for the basketball program the football success if we can continue in this direction could actually bleed over into the basketball team success we've seen it at Florida we've seen it a little bit at Ohio State you know, crazier things have happened. I mean, it's just something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, facilities, it's a great start. Absolutely. And eventually you can only build so many football operation centers and oculuses and <laughs> oculi um, and oculi. De- decks on the stadium. So, yeah, you got to start pumping that into other sports. Um, okay, well, that wraps it up today. Um, you know, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, a really exciting time in Clemson football, and we really appreciate everybody listening to us we hope you're enjoying it um we'll be back for a review of the game if you have an iphone you can subscribe to us uh with a podcast app uh search for a podcast or clemson will show up android you can find us on apps like stitcher pocket cast tune in etc and then visit us at our webpage clemsonpodcast.com or on soundcloud um and you know it'd be great if you could go to itunes and leave us a review that really helps us um really get out to more fans and get the word out that that we're here to talk to Clemson, not just Clemson football, but Clemson uh, sports. So we love reviews, you know, positive reviews. We appreciate those. Constructive criticism is always great. And even the negative reviews we find extremely hilarious. Um, so, again, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, touching base and catching up after the Syracuse game. And as always, go Tigers.